This is Business Beyond Bizarre, a podcast of the slightly unusual. Here's your host, Peter Anthony Holder. Hello and welcome to Business Beyond Bazaar, a podcast that takes you off the beaten path, introducing you to people who have slightly quirky hobbies or businesses. Organized religions have been around for centuries, even, you know, before Christ. There are religions that the general population consider mainstream, and those that some people consider fringe. Every once in a while, a new faith will pop up. One such religion has been around since a little after the turn of this century. It's the Church of Jediism. Followers of Jediism adhere to the moral and spiritual codes demonstrated by characters in Star Wars. The founder of the Church of Jediism is Daniel Morgan Jones of Hollyhead, Wales, in the UK. One would think that a religion fashioned after the characters created by George Lucas would capture the attention of the director himself. But according to Daniel, first contact hasn't taken place. No, I haven't. I was talking to some production companies who were thinking about making a, a documentary with me about going over to see George Lucas, maybe film an interview with him. But so far, you know, no luck with a, a production company that are ready to do that. We, we don't even know if he, he knows we exist. So we've had no contact with him so far. Really, Daniel? How could George Lucas not know? Or a greed of lawyers over at Disney? And by the way, a proper collective noun for a group of attorneys is a greed of lawyers. Kind of fitting, isn't it? Anyway, where were we? Oh, yes. After all, Daniel, you've received more than a fair share of press. Yeah, I mean, we've done Time magazine and um, I mean, I've been on television all over the world and I've done, you know, every single radio station there possibly is in Britain. Yeah, I suppose unless he's hiding under a rock, then he may not have heard of us. But it depends entirely on how much he wants to know. I mean, I don't know if he is looking at us, you know, in case he wants to put a lawsuit out there. But um, so far, we've got no no copyright infringement issues yet. But I mean, I, he's never contacted us on. Nobody from the George Lucas Society has uh, kind of emailed us or anything. Just to be clear, exactly what kind of numbers are we talking about here as far as members are concerned, first in the UK and also in the United States? Probably about... I don't know, maybe 200,000, maybe. Our American counterpart, there's probably an equal amount, if not more. You know, we're looking at anything from 200,000 to 500,000 people uh, in America. One of the places that the Church of Jediism set up shop in the U.S. was in the state of Utah. You know, the home of the Mormons. It should be noted at this point that through the dawn of man until today, there have been a host of religions that just don't seem to get along. Yeah, I mean, the Mormons don't actually like us at all. Like, we did a seminar in, in Wales, in South Wales, and it was a multi-religious seminar. There was different types of faiths there. And, you know, when, when the Mormons were speaking, everyone went in and listened to the Mormons and uh, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as they like to be known as. And then when it was our turn, everybody turned up, but then the Mormon uh, gentleman stayed for about two minutes and then got up and shook his head and walked out and took his family with him. So I, I really don't think they... Um, they approve of what we're doing, you know. And how do other religions feel about the Church of Jediism? Muslims probably wouldn't like us because we don't stand for what they stand for. 
I don't think any religion entertains us, to be honest with you. The reason being is, like we said, we offer a non-biased community where we have Jedi Scientologists, we have Jedi Christians, uh, we have all types of different types of people who can use and adapt the tools of what we offer to enhance their lives and enrich what they believe is reality. And because we do that, we kind of unsuppress their lives, where Christians and other religions like Muslims and stuff, they kind of work to a set of rules which are completely strict and in some some cases extreme. And so we very, uh, you know, very stray away from that. So we, we kind of, we give it the relaxed feel so you don't have strict rules to attend to. How can I say it? Like the Muslims would have a strict rule and that's what they think religion is, but we're, we're a bit more relaxed. They, they see that as being, um, I don't know, blasphemy, I suppose, and damning in the eyes of God, because if their God is superior, then we mean nothing. Funny how most religions teach about peace and harmony, but so many of them have a difficulty putting it into practice. Speaking of which... What exactly are the teachings of Jediism? We believe that there's more to life than what meets the eye. We focus on enhancing your physical potential, your your mental potential, and your spiritual potential to its, its max. So we, we kind of exploit everything that you do and say and hear and think uh, to its full level. So you become operating on the level which you should have done millions of years ago. Humans were kind of, you know, they operated on a level where they were absolutely at their fullest capacity, but now we're being dumbed down by governments and, and all kinds of different types of organizations just trying to suppress humanity to its to its dumbest form. So we kind of enlighten that, if you will. Uh, we, we break you free from the shell. I think that what we have to offer may be the most important thing you'll ever read in your entire life, um, especially if human existence. And I think we definitely hit the nail on the head for why it's important to, to study what we have to offer. Okay, right about now, I know what some of you are thinking. I mean, I can actually hear you rolling your eyes. Is this a religion or is it a cult or is it a joke? I asked Daniel about how he feels when some people don't take seriously the serious nature of his beliefs. If people say to us, you know, what's your religion? We say, well, Jediism. Then obviously they're going to have their kind of opinion on it. And that's fine. But, I mean, we kind of draw the line where it becomes a bit too PC when, I mean, I was thrown out of a grocery store over here in the UK and that hit international press because um, I was wearing a hood and I said, you know, it's part of my religion to wear a hood and they didn't acknowledge it. Yet they acknowledged the fact that a Sikh wanted to wear their hood or a, or a turban or whatever. So it depends on what degree people don't believe uh, or don't, um, how can I say, don't respect what you are. I mean, for anybody who's uneducated in Jediism, then they shouldn't really have a comment, if you know what I mean. If you read it and read the whole thing and found out exactly what it's about and they say, oh, it's rubbish, then that's, you know, that's a fair point. But if you have nothing, if you have no idea what it's about and you still cause damn upon it, then I, I really think um, that we will have an issue with those types of people. Okay, fair point. But let's back up just a moment. What was it about that hood? We kind of designed a new uh, kind of view for Jedis. Um, obviously, we can't walk around in big, big long robes because, I mean, that just isn't practical for an everyday person. And that's part of our belief system is that anybody, an everyday person can use this. So I was wearing just a light cotton, like a jacket with a hood on it. It was just like light material, like summer material. I just basically had the hood up on it because it's in our doctrine to keep your hood up places of large public volume. So it was, it was just a hood. It wasn't like your face was covered or anything. No, it was just a hood, and it wasn't even—it wasn't even like right down over my face. It was just the back of my head, really. So the way Obi Wan Kenobi would look without the robes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He had me worried for a moment. Anyway, let's get back to the guy who should be enshrined somewhere in stained glass, George Lucas. Even though he hasn't communicated with him, what would Daniel like to say if he could reach out to, you know, 
the creator? Well, there's a million and one questions I'd love to ask George Lucas or to say to him. But if I was to speak to George Lucas today, I'd probably say thank you for giving me the the spark and the idea to go forward and do something that's helped millions of people, uh, I mean, or thousands of people, not only the films. I mean, give me the idea to make the church, and it definitely enlightened a lot more people than he'd hit with the films. If you think the force is within you, you can always visit the website of the Church of Jediism at becometheforce.com. And remember the wise words of Yoda. When you look at the dark side, careful you must be, for the dark side looks back. Business beyond bizarre. Las Vegas, Nevada is a place where many people seem to find religion. They pray to the gods just before they make a bet or just before they roll the dice. They also sometimes find religion when they are three sheets to the wind and on the verge of the cranial minefield experience that's commonly known as a hangover. Luckily, in Vegas, there is someone and something that can help you when the spirits move you or they stop you from moving in Sin City. Dr. Jason Burke operates the Hangover Heaven Bus. The Hangover Heaven Bus can be found seven days a week parked at various locations around the Las Vegas Strip to offer refuge to hard-partying people who find themselves feeling the post-alcohol sickness. It's a unique concept. It is a unique idea, and people, especially when we first launched, were very uh, dubious of whether it actually worked. And I can say as patient zero, it works fantastic. We have many, many uh, satisfied customers. Ah, physician, heal thyself. Though the bus is used seven days a week, there are certain days and or holidays that Dr. Burke and his crew do a bang-up business. Super Bowl Sunday is their busiest day of the year, doing anywhere from 100 to 120 IV treatments on the day of the game. But the bus is not the only way to deal with the morning after the night before. We do use the bus, but we also have a clinic near Trump Tower. Uh, it's also near the Spearmint Rhino for people who are familiar with that um, gentleman's club. It's at the north end of the Strip. We are open 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. during the week and 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. on the weekends. And uh, you can either be treated at the clinic, on the bus, or we also do quite a few of hotel room treatments where we treat the clients right in the comfort of their hotel room. If one doesn't want to go through the hair of the dog process, what exactly is the procedure involved with using the Hangover Heaven bus services? Well, we have to pick people up at designated areas at many of the casinos. They have designated tour bus pickup areas. The bus is huge. It's 45 feet long, about 12 and a half feet tall. So the, many of the bigger casinos have designated places for those large vehicles to go. Some of the older properties, Hard Rock, etc., we can actually pull into the main valet, but basically people ring us up, say they want to get treated. We send the bus out or one of our shuttle vehicles, pick them up. With the bus, we treat them right on the bus. If they're going to be treated at their clinic, we get the IVs in there. We use IV fluids, intravenous vitamins, intravenous antioxidants, as well as some intravenous anti-nausea medicine and anti-headache medicine to deal with the hangover. They also deal with walk-ins, or should I say stagger-ins. People walk in as well to the clinic, so we have plenty of people to just show up, and uh, you know, the taxi comes and dumps them off, and we get them tuned up and back to their vacation. There are several packages that the inebriated 
can partake in. You know, when people are hungover, they don't like making lots of decisions. So we keep the choices easy. There's only three options. We've got our basic package, which is the redemption package. That is the intravenous fluids and then their choice of the anti-nausea medicine or the anti-headache medicine in one of the intravenous antioxidants. That's 159. Then the salvations, our most popular package, that's 199. And that's the same as the redemption, but you get two intravenous antioxidants in both the anti-headache medicine and the anti-nausea medicine. And then we have our top shelf package, which is the rapture package, which has everything the salvation package has, plus uh, additional intravenous fluids, as well as 30 minutes of oxygen and a uh, intramuscular B12 shot. Since Dr. Burke is indeed a doctor, let's just have him explain exactly what a hangover is. Hangovers vary quite a bit, and there's a number of different misconceptions about hangovers. Number one, people have tended to treat them as a binary problem. You know, either you have one or you don't. But ultimately, they're just like any other medical condition. There's mild, moderate, and severe. And then there's also the epic hangovers that we see as well. Epic, you say? Go on. I'd say on uh, this previous Saturday, we had a woman come in. She was 33 years old. It was about 12.30 in the afternoon. She showed up with one of the sickness bags half full. She'd thrown up about 40 times since about 4 a.m. that day. And she was getting married at 6 p.m. that day. And uh, hadn't urinated in probably 18 hours. I mean, she was severely dehydrated, and she had an epic hangover. She just couldn't stop throwing up. Is this a case where she waited too long to come to you? Should she have come to you sooner? I mean, she would have been much happier if she had come to us sooner. (laughs) But either way, we win. Better living through chemistry is what it amounts to. She just required a little more IV fluid, additional intravenous medications, and just a little more time to get her uh, back to normal. And uh, it took about an hour and 20 minutes to get her recuperated or rejuvenated. And uh, she was very, very happy because otherwise she would have missed her wedding. She had about 50 people that mostly had flown in from the East Coast, from Atlanta, for the wedding. Yeah, the whole thing would have been shot if it wasn't for the treatment. Yeah, she was definitely an epic hangover. And then we have the people, you know, in the grand scheme of hangovers, guys tend to get headaches and women tend to get nausea. Some of the guys, they, you know, they want to go to the day club or play golf and they've just got a splitting headache from the night before. And uh, we score the hangovers with on uh, with a scoring system with 10 being the worst and zero being no symptoms and so a lot of the guys will show up with a seven or eight headache and a zero or one nausea and they're just not happy and they want to have a good day and then so we get them fixed up and then similar with the women when the women have a six or seven nausea score they don't want to go shopping they don't want to do anything how you are treated by the hangover heaven bus depends on the symptoms you are suffering from for example if the guys only have a headache we don't use the intravenous anti-nausea medicine and then also the women that have thrown up are a little more challenging to treat because the the nausea is the most difficult symptom to treat. And so we actually have three different intravenous anti-nausea medications that we can use. So if we have someone who's thrown up even once, we have a different protocol that we use for those clients to make sure that they get better as fast as possible. Because that's the thing. Most of our clients, when they're here in Las Vegas, are here for about two days. So if they come in, you know, Friday evening and they get just completely wrecked and Saturday shot, that's often their only full day here. So they go home with a bad memory. So we want to get them feeling good out the door and back to their vacation so they have good memories, not bad memories of Las Vegas. Your background is in anesthesiology, correct? Yes. So I guess it's it's very similar from someone coming out of uh, being put under for a procedure of some kind. I tell you, you are smart. You pegged <laughs> it exactly. Because in the end, the end result is pretty much caused by the same process because the anesthetic gases cause pretty much the same symptoms and problems that alcohol does. Because then that's when I came up with the idea of seeing people in the post-anesthesia care unit with severe vomiting. I was like, this is the same thing as a hangover. And uh, thought the same things we were using to treat them would work well for a hangover. Tried it on me and then a few friends. Worked great. And we were good to go. 
Another classic case of necessity being the mother of invention. And no one wants the mother of all hangovers. When you're in Las Vegas, one way to beat the odds of having someone hold your hair while you throw up is to contact the Hangover Heaven bus. You can check out their website at hangoverheaven.com. If you're in Nevada, give them a call. It's the one drunk dialing that's encouraged. Next time on Business Beyond Bazaar. Have you ever thought of doing anything that would get you into the Guinness World Records? Perhaps you have collected something in unusually high numbers, like over 11,000 different Coca Cola cans. Bet you didn't even know that there were over 11,000 different Coca Cola cans. Well, that's why you don't have the record. And we also meet another Guinness record holder who runs the smallest commercial movie theater in the world. Well, this should increase your odds of ending up sitting behind the woman with the extremely large hat. This has been Business Beyond Bazaar, a presentation of Flying Fish Communications and Group Fair Play.